The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 49 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two mystery episodes of The Whistler. We'll begin after this short break. Eerie Whistling, picked up by the orchestra for a dramatic effect, was the signature tune for this CBS mystery anthology. Through a careless mistake or a twist of fate, nearly every killer, blackmailer, and criminal would ultimately be brought to justice by the show's conclusion. Always looming in the shadows was the Whistler, an omnipresent figure acting mostly as a guilty conscience. Having foreseen the fate of the protagonist, he nevertheless urged them on, strangely aware of what they were thinking. The Whistler's grim chortles concluded each story of those unfortunate enough to be caught in a dark web of their own making. The program had a long and successful run airing from 1942 until 1955. For a time, Gail Gordon, Marvin Miller, and Joseph Kearns supplied the voice of the Whistler, but Bill Foreman had the role the longest. Columbia Pictures produced a series of eight motion pictures based on the radio series from 1944 to 1948. A short-lived television series aired in 1954. Time now for the first of two mystery episodes of The Whistler. In this first story, a garage owner, financially down on his luck, is made an offer he can't refuse by a racketeer. Here's Murder Will Shout on The Whistler from March 19, 1945. Signal gasoline. Let every traffic signal remind you, you do go farther with signal gasoline. Yes, you do go farther with signal. The Signal Oil Company and your neighborhood signal dealer bring you another curious story by The Whistler. Tonight, murder will shout. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Murder is born in many places, most of them quite ordinary. 
Sometimes it's born in a smoke-filled hotel room. Sometimes around a nightclub table. But more often it begins in a small secret place. Because murder is a secret thing at first. Take, for example, a small unobserved telephone booth in the back of a chain drugstore. The one in which a small-time racketeer, Peanut Marola, is talking. Well, Peanut Marola speaking. Yeah, yeah, I got all that dope. It shouldn't be a tough proposition to swing. The garage is out in the suburbs, in the Oakdale district, where the houses are far apart and everybody minds his own business. Nice place to work. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, this guy who owns the place, George Kramer, is single and lives by himself out in a little house on 71st Street. Yesterday, I counted only three cars that stopped in. That ain't enough to buy him a good breakfast. What? Well, the place is plenty big, but empty. Hey, here's an interesting angle I got on it. Seems that some small fry businessman named Albion, if I got the jerk's name right, has got some kind of a mortgage on the place. It might give us some trouble. Huh? Yeah, I'll get busy on it. Now I'll call you when I got something definite. Don't worry. It'll be easy pickings. Yes, that's the way murder is born. In an ordinary way. Nothing unusual about it. A small-time racketeer makes a phone call to talk over a business deal. And that's the beginning. Maybe if George Kramer had known, things might have been different. But he didn't. In his little garage in the Oakdale section, he was sound asleep, slumped in his office chair. Kramer! Uh, Kramer, wake up! Uh, What's that? Oh, oh, Mr. Albion. You were asleep. Asleep in the middle of the day. How do you expect to make any money like that? Well, Mr. Albion, I was up half the night last night doing a hurry-up ring job on an Oldsmobile. You never saw an Oldsmobile last night. And the last ring job you did was probably six months ago. Probably out carousing around last night. Ah, you know I don't go out nights, Mr. Albion. Well, anyway, you haven't got a single car in your garage to work on, and you fall asleep in the middle of the day because you're tired. (laughs) Why don't you go out and stir up some business? Now, look here, Mr. Albion. You stick to your business and I'll stick to mine. Right now, this things This happens are... to be my business. I'm trying to tell you that things are tough in the garage business these days. Look, you know I'm having a tough time of it. Why do you come in here every day and burn my ear? Can't you leave me alone? I'll leave you alone for the next week. But let me give it to you in black and white. I've loaned you in various amounts a total of $2,000, which is more than I've come to think this place is worth. You agreed to pay it back. With interest. Of course. One week from today, you owe me $2,000. But but I thought you were going to carry it along until I got back on my feet. I've been waiting six months for you to get back on your feet, and you show no signs of ever making it. I'll, I'll, I'll pay the interest. I'll pay it faithfully. Haven't I always paid it? What good is the interest if I lose the principal? Oh, you you won't lose it. Honest, Mr. Albion, I promise you, you won't lose it. I think I've already lost it. Unless I can do something with this garage myself. Well, I have to be going along now. I have business to do. I'll see you in a week, Kramer. Wait a minute. You... You wouldn't take the garage away from me. Wouldn't I? Well, you, you've got a lot of money. You, you don't need it. That's beside the point. A debt is a debt. Yeah, but what, what would you do with the garage if you had it? I'd sell it to someone who could run it profitably. Oh, you wouldn't. I'll be back in a week. 
Have some money for me. Mr. Albion. Yes? I... I could kill you. With the prologue of tonight's story, Murder Will Shout, the Signal Oil Company brings you another of the strange tales of the Whistler. But first, I know you Whistler fans will be interested to hear of the growing popularity of this program. The Whistler is now tops on the coast. The latest program popularity survey of all radio programs shows no other single Pacific Coast program has more listeners than The Whistler. Yes, people do know a good thing when they see it and when they hear it, too. And that goes for gasoline and auto lubrication, too. For 14 years, so many drivers have been switching to Signal products that today, Signal dealers serve six western states from Canada to Mexico. But what's of most importance to you is the reason for this swing to Signal. What the Signal products and Signal dealers have that accounts for this growing popularity? Well, throughout 14 years, the name Signal has stood for the absolute top quality in gasoline and auto lubricants. Even now, with certain ingredients reserved for war, Signal's famous Go Farther gasoline is still the finest gasoline that can be made today with the emphasis still on mileage. And experienced signal dealers, being in business for themselves, have a real reason for giving your car more thorough, more conscientious service that will keep you their satisfied customer. There you have it. Two genuine reasons why signal-serviced cars do go farther. Two reasons why when today's cars must last out the duration, your neighborhood signal dealer is a man you should know, too. And now... Back to the Whistler. Yes, murder gets its start in simple and ordinary ways. For instance, there's murder in the heart of George Kramer, and once the thought occurs... The next step is easy, if the opportunity presents itself. And in this case, it does very soon. And in the person of Peanut Marola. You're George Kramer? Yeah, that's right. Something wrong with your car I can fix? Not exactly. Got a couple of minutes? Time is all I've got. Good. Mind if I sit down? Well, what do you want? I want to talk over some business. Oh, well, then sit down. Sit down, by all means. Thanks. Things kind of tough in the garage business these days? Oh, they're not what they used to be. But I managed to get along. But not in the way you used to get along, eh? Uh, not exactly. Look, uh, what are you getting at? Can you use a little ready cash? No references, co-signers, very little collateral? <laughs> Who couldn't on those arrangements? My name is Marola, Peanut Marola. Oh, I'm glad to meet you. Now, where does this ready cash come in? You sound like a smart man, Kramer. Mind if I talk turkey? Oh, go ahead. I can't lose anything listening. Has Mr. Albion been bothering you lately? Uh How'd you know about him? Well, I kind of looked into things and found out that Albion holds some kind of a mortgage on this place. Is that right? That's right. How much? Two thousand dollars. It's a nice little sum. Keeps you awake nights, doesn't it? <laughs> awake at night and asleep in the daytime. 
Well, if you want to let me, I can fix it so you can sleep at night and spend your days buying expensive clothes. Hmm. What sort of a proposition is it? Ever hear of the black market? You mean where you buy meat without giving any ration points? No, the black market in automobiles. I didn't know there was one. Well, there is, and it's big time, and there's big money in it. Well, where do I fit in? Now, look, pal. You have a nice big garage in a quiet neighborhood where nobody bothers you. We get the cars any way we can, and then we sell them for anything we can get. And it's always a lot. We need some place to keep them until they're sold. You just want to store them here? Sure, it's a cinch. A guy drives into your garage with a car and asks you to fix it up, see? When it's ready, the same guy calls for it again. Looks like a legitimate business. Nobody knows that anything out of the ordinary is happening. Well, how much fixing up is there to do? Eh, not much. You change a few numbers, switch a couple of wheels, and maybe splash a little paint on now and then. What about the police? Nothing to worry about, pal. When they get suspicious, we just move to another garage. But while we work here, there's plenty in it for you. How much? A hundred on a car. Good enough? <laughs> Sounds too good to be true. Well, is it a deal? It's a deal if you advance me $2,000 to pay off Albion this with. This is strictly a cash and carry business, chum. We don't advance nobody nothing. Well, then it's no go. In a week, Albion will have this garage and you won't be able to use it. Yeah? Getting tough on you, eh? Hmm. Yeah, we wouldn't want our plans upset, now, would we, pal? There's a cheaper way of paying off the debt than by me giving you the money. Yeah? How? Simple. Maybe Mr. Albion just disappears someday. Do you mean... Yeah, sure. Oh, oh no, no, I, I, I couldn't do that. No? Maybe you won't have to. Maybe we'll do it for you. You'll... You'll do it for me? Sure. In my business, there's nothing to it. And all your problems would be solved. Well, I, I don't know. But, well, if I said okay, what would we do first? Well, the first thing you do is... Just so that we can sort of pass the buck back and forth in a nice way, you understand? In case somebody starts poking his nose into our business, we've got to have at least two partners in this garage. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is this. You've got to make me a 50-50 partner in this business establishment. You mean you want me to sign over half of this garage to you? That's the idea. Oh, now, wait, wait a minute. I'm not getting into anything that's going to end up with me losing this garage. No, sir. All I want to do is make some money and in a hurry... Now, if that's what you're... In... Slow down, Kramer. Don't get all excited. Nobody's trying to cut you out of your garage. In this business, the more partners you have, the better it is. I'm not going to move in permanently. As soon as the racket wears thin, we dissolve the partnership and the garage goes back to you. Oh, oh well, in that case, everything's all right. I'll, I'll make any sort of an arrangement you want. <laughs> I thought you would. Well, I'm going to skip downtown and get in touch with a mouthpiece who will draw up the papers. I'll bring him back this afternoon for you to sign. See you later. Marola. Just a minute. Yeah? Aren't you, uh, forgetting something? Forgetting what? Mr. Albion. <laughs> well, what do you know? I almost forgot about Mr. Albion. Well, don't you worry, pal. We'll take care of him in due time. Uh, look, I, I know you know your business, but I know Mr. Albion. I've uh, been doing some thinking. Uh, I've got an idea. Yeah? Okay, spill it. Well, this guy Albion has a lot of money, but just the same, he's too tight to buy a car of his own, so he always rides the bus everywhere he goes. Now, 
the end of the Oakdale line doesn't quite reach his house, and he has to walk a half mile along the highway from the end of the line in order to get home. You can't bump a guy in broad daylight on the highway. Oh, you, you don't have to. Every Saturday night, he always stays in town and takes the last bus home at 2 o'clock. At 2 o'clock in the morning, that halfway, half mile of highway he walks is uh, deserted. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Quite a setup. All we do is run over him and make it look like a hit-and-run case. The easiest thing in the world. But an automobile leaves a lot of clues behind. Who's worrying about clues? We just pick some car up off the street, use it, and then abandon it somewhere. Let some other sucker worry about taking the rap. Well, I, I, I don't want to know too much about it. You just go ahead and handle it in your own way. Wait a minute. Today's Saturday. Yeah. Mr. Albion takes the bus tonight. Okay. Don't worry about a thing, pal. I'll take care of all the little business details. It'll be a cinch. You heard what the man said, Kramer. He said it's a cinch. He ought to know because he's an old hand at this business of getting inconvenient people conveniently out of the way. It's an art the way Peanut Marola does it. The art of murder. Yes, and since it's going to mean so much to you, you should be here to see it. Those two cars parked at the side of the road, waiting for the bus to stop, drop its lone passenger, turn around and head back for town. And when it does, there's a quick flicker of light, and the first car, driven by a friend of Marola's, starts down the road. His headlights pick up Mr. Albion walking along the right side of the pavement. Then... Marola in the second car, the stolen car, starts. Walking along the highway, Albion hears the first one come up and pass him. The noise of the first one hasn't died down before Marola roars in. The rapid succession of sounds confuses Albion just enough. He doesn't step off the road quite fast enough. And except for a slight bump, there's nothing to it. I'm looking for George Kramer. I'm George Kramer. My identification, Lieutenant Clark, headquarters precinct. Oh, yes, Lieutenant. You're here about my car. Yes, yes, the car. That's right. You reported it stolen. Yes, Last night, I left it parked in front of my house like I always do. I don't have a garage on my property yet. And when I came out to drive to work this morning, it was gone. It was a green Chrysler sedan. License uh, 6G4537. Yes, that's right. I just finished putting on that paint job two days ago. Yeah, had it in the shop a week, fixing it up. I reported the theft as soon as I could hitch a ride over here and telephone. Yeah, I uh, came right out when we got the report. Funny, we were just checking up on the ownership of your car when you called. You you mean you found it already? Yeah, yeah, we found it even before you reported it. Uh, do you ever drive out around uh, Miller Highway, Mr. Kramer? Mill... Miller Highway? Why, no, no, I haven't been out that way for months. You uh, weren't driving out there last night around, too. Why, oh, no, no, of course not. I, I was in bed and my, my, my car was stolen. Yeah, sure, sure, well... Well, you may be telling me the truth, Mr. Kramer, and maybe you're trying to be pretty smart. I don't know which, but uh, either way, I think you'd better come down to the station with me. Get your hat and lock up the place. <laughs> 
Oh, but wait, wait a minute. You mean you're arresting me? Well, let's say we're going to hold you for questioning. But why? For what? For hit and run. Maybe you can explain to the boys down there how your car happened to be found parked 300 yards from where a guy was run over and killed. And the front of it was covered with bloodstains. Well, George Kramer, that's what happens sometimes when you think about murder. It doesn't uh, come out just the way you expected it. You don't know what this is all about yet. But you do know that there's only one person who can explain it to you. So when you get to the police station and after they've booked you and taken you to your cell, you ask him to call Peanut Marola. And pretty soon he comes. Five minutes, Marola. Okay, I won't stay long. Hiya, Kramer. Marola, what is this? They've got me in here for manslaughter. My car was the one you used to run down Albion. Shut up, you fool. Well, I want somebody to hear you. Well, before I'll take the blame for this, I'll make sure somebody hears me. I'll tell them you were driving that car, not me. Listen, small fry. What do you want to go flying off the handle for? More than one way to beat the record. But you used my automobile. Why? It was an accident. One of those things that happens once in a century. Just doing just like I told you I was going to do. Came out here into town and stole the first car I found on a dark street. How was I to know you lived on that street and it was your car I was taking? Good Lord, you expect me to believe that? Look, all you gotta do is tell them that you weren't driving your car last night and get an alibi. Tell them you were someplace else. That's what I told them, told them that I was home. But they don't believe me and I got no proof. Okay, look, tell them you were mistaken about the time. Tell them you spent the night until 2 o'clock at the Lido nightclub down on Foster and Green Streets. Get a dozen people to swear that both of us were there until two. You tell them I drove you home in my car. Well, is is that any good? They can't do a thing to you. They gotta prove you were driving that car. They won't be able to break an alibi like that. Got it straight now? Yeah, I I was at the Lido nightclub until two with you and some friends. You you back me up now? Sure, I'll back you up. You got nothing to worry about, pal. That's right, Kramer. You don't have a thing to worry about. That is, unless spending the rest of your life in prison worries you. Amateurs like you shouldn't get mixed up in murder, George. But of course, your friend Marola, your good friend Marola, has everything figured out. Marola's an old hand at this business, and he doesn't seem to be excited, so don't you worry about a thing. Hello? See that Marola speaking? Yeah, I'm at the Hall of Justice. We're just up to the jail talking with him. Listen to this. He believes that I took his car by mistake. <laughs> How can you lose when you work with characters like that? Huh? Let him talk all he wants to. What can he do to us? I got an alibi that he couldn't break if he talked a year. Besides, the cops have an open and shut case against him. I'll give him about two days to clear it up. Then we'll have the garage to ourselves and it'll be easy sailing. Huh? Yeah, he signed the papers all right yesterday. 
Yeah. Everything's great. But that's not all of tonight's story. The Whistler will return in just a moment with a strange ending of tonight's tale. Meantime, a question. Have you forgotten anything lately? Just anything? Well, of course, we all forget occasionally. Then suppose you had 32 different things to remember, like the service station operator who lubricates the average modern car. It'd be mighty easy to forget one of those parts, wouldn't it? And you know what that'd mean. Going without lubrication might wear out some vital part, some part you can't replace today. That's why signal gasoline dealers don't trust to memory when they lubricate your car. Instead, they use the famous signal check chart on which the maker of your car lists each part and the exact lubricant it should have. And your dealer isn't satisfied with checking each part against the chart just once. No, sir. He checks each part twice. So not a single part can be overlooked and go without lubricant. And when I say lubricant, I mean the nine specialized lubricants that signal dealers use to assure all parts the long, trouble-free life the maker of your car built into them. It's just another example of Signal Gasoline Dealer's more conscientious service to help your car go farther. Another reason why a good man for you to know today is your neighborhood Signal Gasoline Dealer. And now, back to the Whistler. Well, George Kramer, now you know what murder is like. How it starts as a fleeting, almost meaningless wish in your mind and builds into a noose around your neck. You're in jail charged with manslaughter. And Marola, the man who actually did the killing, who double-crossed you with a frame-up, is going scot-free. Or is he? Everything's great, he said a minute ago to someone on that telephone. But now as he hangs up and steps out of the phone booth, Well, what do you know? Peanut Marola. Huh? Oh. oh, nice to see you once in a while when you're not in trouble, if that's possible. Yeah, Lieutenant Clark, you ought to quit the police force and go on the stage. You're so funny. So long. Uh, wait a minute, Marola. Yeah? Aren't you being a little unsociable? Step across the hall here to my office where we can talk. Come on. I got nothing to talk to you about. Sit down. I think you have. For instance, you know a guy named George Kramer? Sure, I know him. He's my partner in the garage business. Oh, that's sort of a new one for you, isn't it, Marola? Maybe, and maybe I like it. Yeah, maybe. You were just in talking to Kramer, weren't you? Sure, naturally. My partner gets in trouble. Naturally, I'm going to see him, see what I can do. You, uh, they get anything to do? Seems like there's not much I can do. He got out of line, you caught him. Looks like an open and shut case. What can I do? Uh, I was wondering if you'd say that. Yeah? What else would I say? Knowing you, nothing. I just wanted to be sure this was the way I figured it. What do you mean, the way you figured it? How else could you figure it? You got the guy red-handed. I think maybe we have. You say you went into partnership with Kramer in his garage? Yeah, sure. He needed some dough, so I bought in. I figured it might be a good investment. Oh, I'm sure you must have, hmm. But didn't you know that Kramer already owed another investor some money? Sure, I heard about it. But that was Kramer's own personal affair. It had nothing to do with our deal. Uh-huh. 
After you talked to Kramer, one of my boys went in to see him. He's changed his story about where he was last night. Says he was with you down at the Lido nightclub until two. Then you drove him home. He says that? He's nuts. You know the Lido's been closed for two weeks. Hold it up because of the curfew. And I didn't see Kramer last night. I can prove where I was. Sure, sure. I'm certain you can. You always were good at alibis. Hey, listen, Clark. Take it easy. Just a couple of questions more. One, did you ever drive Kramer's car? Why? Suppose I did. Oh, nothing. I just wanted to check. You see, we found some fingerprints on the steering wheel that weren't Kramer's. I just thought they might be yours. Oh, uh, I... Yeah, as a matter of fact, they might be. I, I did drive it once. When? About a week ago. Think again. Kramer's car was in the shop being fixed up until two days ago. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it must have been later, uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, it must have been. Lieutenant Clark. Yeah? Okay, thanks. Well, it's nice you told me about driving the car, Marola. That was the file room. Those were your fingerprints. When I heard you talk to Kramer, I had him pull your prints and check. Okay, so they were my prints. I just... But you got nothing on me. I just said... Okay, so I'm getting sick of this. I told you what connection I got with Kramer. It's strictly business. My partner, see? But I got nothing to do with him going out and bumping off a guy he owes money to. So I'm through answering questions, you get me? Now, wait a minute. Just one more. Answer this one, Marola, if you can. How did you know Mr. Albion, the guy Kramer owed money to, was the one that was killed? Uh, uh, I read in the paper. The only paper that carried the story was the Morning Herald. Here, read what it says. The hit and run driver early this morning. Hit and killed. A... Go on, read it. Uh, an unidentified man. On... Yes, Marola. Until 20 minutes ago, even I didn't know who he was. So how could you have? Unless you had something to do with it. Listen, Clark. Uh, I tell you, I didn't. Kramer, Kramer told me who it was. Yes. Well, maybe Kramer will tell us a lot more when he hears how you've been trying to frame him. This is one time, Marola, when you depended too much on an alibi. You forgot too many other things, important things, like the fingerprints on the steering wheel. You forgot to find out that it would have been next to too impossible for George Kramer to have driven that car last night. You see, he has a very advanced case of night blindness. Rare, but very real. And it prevents him from driving after dark. Now, with his help, our case against you won't be hard to prove. Whistler will bring you another strange tale, the curious story of Checkmate for Murder. The Whistler is broadcast for your entertainment by the marketers of Signal Gasoline and Motor Oil and fine quality automotive accessories and by your neighborhood signal dealer. This program, directed by George W. Allen, with story by John Hayes, music by Wilbur Hatch, is transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. Bob Anderson speaking, 
and suggesting you let every traffic signal remind you, you do go farther with signal gasoline. Yes, you do go farther with signal. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. The Whistler with Murder Will Shout, starring Charles Calvert from March 19, 1945. Also in the cast, Hal Gerard, Joe Duvall, Ted Von Eltz, with Bill Foreman as The Whistler, with Bob Anderson announcing for Signal Oil as heard on CBS. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another mystery episode of The Whistler after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, a sailor is framed by his captain for running their ship ashore and killing two shipmates. Will revenge be his salvation? Here's the seeing eye on the Whistler from November 12, 1945. The Signal Oil Program. The Whistler. Whistle is your signal for the signal oil program, The Whistler. I am the Whistler. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, friends, it's time for the signal oil program, The Whistler. Remember, let every traffic signal remind you, with signal... New Signal Gasoline, you do go farther than ever. Look for Signal's big yellow and black circle sign that identifies those popular signal stations in seven western states from Canada to Mexico. And now the Whistler's strange story, The Seeing Eye. There was only one love in the life of Captain Martin Quiss. It wasn't money. He'd long since made more than enough to retire comfortably. 
And it wasn't women or liquor or self-indulgence. Captain Quiss was part of the sea. It had been his home in his life since the day in 1907 when he signed aboard a purse seiner out of New Bedford as an apprentice seaman. But a love as strong as that of Captain Quiss for the sea can be dangerous. It can blind a man to more important things like human decency and justice. It can lead to compromise and ruin. The closing chapter in the career of Martin Quist began on a stormy night off the Florida Keys, aboard the steamer Carson City out of New Orleans, bound for Portland, Maine. The night wind, pushing up strong from the east, had reached gale strength when the cabin door burst open. What's the matter, Grant? What are we running here, a ship or a nursery? Now, wait a minute. You wait a minute. Well, dress me properly or not at all. All right, Captain Quist, sir. That's better. Now, what's the matter, Mr. Grant? The first mate's drunk again. He just ordered me off the bridge. That's a serious charge, Mr. Grant. I'm not making charges, Captain. This isn't the pink tea at the Mariners Club. We're in dangerous waters. Ryder is perfectly capable. I tell you, he's drunk. He has no right to be on that bridge. If you don't believe me, call him. Very well, Mr. Grant. Bridge. Ryder? First mate Ryder in the bridge, sir. Lights are bright all as well. Uh, Ryder... Grant has a watch until eight bells. It's all right, Chris. Got everything under control. Tell Grant to turn in. Listen, Ryder. Never mind, Chris. Don't worry, little head. I'm in charge here. Yep. <laughs> I'm in charge. <laughs> what did he say? Mr. Ryder's in charge. He's perfectly capable of standing the watch if he chooses. Now, wait a minute. Let's skip the double talk. It's my watch. My name's on the log. It's my responsibility to see that this ship stays on its course for the next three hours. You'd better go to your quarters, Mr. Grant. And Quiss, don't you care what happens to your ship? Mr. Ryder's been sailing for 15 years. Yeah, and every time he gets a few drinks under his belt, he thinks he's Columbus. This isn't the first time, Captain. He's done it before. I can't understand why you let him get by with it. You're here to take orders, Grant. Not to tell me how to run my ship. Now get down to your cabin. He's got something on you, hasn't he? Huh? What do you mean? Nothing. There just ought to be a reason why you let Ryder get by with murder. Why he has complete command of the ship three days running while you sit in your cabin. Get out of here, Grant. There's something wrong, isn't there, Captain? Get out of here before I throw you an iron. All right, Captain Quiss. I'm just trying to do my duty as an officer. If you want to trust your ship to a rum pot, go ahead. Yes, Captain Quiss, there is something wrong, isn't there? Ryder has plenty on you, hasn't he? Enough to make you overlook the fact that the first duty of a master is to the safety of his ship. Enough to make you afraid to face Ryder and force the issue. It worries you, doesn't it? Instead of turning in, you sit at your desk in the cabin, thinking, wishing there were a way out. Then at six bells, an hour before midnight, you hear a strange and terrifying sound. The roar of the surf to the starboard. It's close, Captain, too close... Good Lord, Ryder. Do you know what you're doing? Uh, go away, Chris. I'm busy. Give me that wheel. I'm sure of this. You'll ship. pile us up. You'll pile us up on the rocks. Watch your helm, man. Get out of here. Watch your helm. Well, Chris, Grant was right, wasn't he? The Carson City did pile on the rocks. A total loss. Two sailors dead, a valuable cargo gone. But there is an out, isn't there? 
Ryder's name doesn't appear on the log. Nobody knows he was at the wheel but you. And Charles Grant, second mate. And Ryder must be cleared if you're to continue your career. You don't care what happens, do you, Quiz? Nothing matters now except getting Ryder off. Your life on the sea is at stake. So you play ball because of the strange hold Ryder has on you. You testify that Grant was on the bridge at the critical moment. That in your opinion, he's guilty of gross negligence. And the court agrees with you. Second mate, Grant. Will you rise and face the court? It is the finding of this court that on the night of May 11th, you as the officer in charge were guilty of criminal negligence, resulting in the wreck of the ship Carson City, with the loss of two lives and an entire cargo. You are therefore sentenced to a year and a day in the federal penitentiary, with cancellation of your credentials as an officer in the United States Merchant Marine. Do you have anything to say? No, Your Honor. Nothing. To the court. This court is declared adjourned. <laughs> Congratulations, Captain. I'm sorry, Mr. Grant. I was right, wasn't I? Ryder does have something on you. I said I'm sorry, Mr. Grant. Perjury doesn't come easy. There's got to be a reason. I'm sorry, too, Captain Quiss. I'm sorry for you. Because if it takes me a lifetime, I'm going to hang this wrap around your neck and watch you sink. Signal. New Signal Gasoline. With the prologue of tonight's story, The Seeing Eye, the Signal Oil Company brings you another of the strange tales by The Whistler. Have you seen the new 1946 cars now being displayed? They're nice, aren't they? But if you've also inquired about delivery dates, you know you're likely to be driving your present car a good while longer. No need to wait any longer, however, for the fun of improved driving performance. No, sir. For with new signal gasoline in your tank, you actually feel your present car get young again right now. And that's because new signal isn't just pre-war quality gasoline, not just old-style gasoline improved but an entirely new type, super fuel. There's a long scientific explanation about how chemists actually rearrange the atoms in gasoline molecules to put quicker starting, faster pickup, higher anti-knock, and longer mileage into new signal gasoline. But for the easy way to prove these advantages, just drive into one of the friendly stations displaying signals, familiar yellow and black circle sign. Get a tank full of new signal gasoline. As you step on the accelerator... Your own motor will show you why new signal gasoline actually is. The post-war gasoline you can prove is superior. And now, back to the whistler. Yes, Captain Quist, the end of your career on the sea began the night that the Carson City piled up and sank on a reef off the Florida coast and sent Charles Grant, your innocent second mate, to prison for criminal negligence. 
There was no other way, you told yourself. Ryder must be cleared at all costs. And as he said, you're indispensable to each other. During the years that follow, you make one ironclad request before each sailing. Ryder must go as first mate. Yes, Quist, the partnership works well during those four years. Until one day when your current vessel, the Patricia Kay, pulls at her moorings in the port of Cape Town, South Africa, anxious to be off on the return trip to New Orleans with her cargo of hemp, leather, and drugs. You're waiting on the bridge for a new officer to arrive. Second mate Charles Grant reporting for duty, sir. Grant? Surprised, Captain? What are you doing here? I'm shipping aboard a second mate. Any objections? Oh, yeah. See here, Grant, I... What's the matter, Captain? Nervous? Hey. I'm sorry, Grant. You won't do. I'll call the agent and tell him... He'll tell you I'm aboard the Patricia K on orders from the home office. You better have a good reason, Captain. Your record shows... I'm not worried about my record, Captain, and the home office isn't either. I'm surprised you're willing to bring up the matter of records, Captain. See here, Mr. Grant. Sorry, Captain. All I have to say, Mr. Grant, is... that you'd better be sure you handle your duties well. The past is gone. I'd rather not discuss it. Yes, sir. Hey, uh... I'm glad they've given you a new chance. You'll find I haven't changed. But you have, Captain. How's that? I never saw you wearing dark glasses before. Perhaps that's why you didn't recognize me when I walked up just now. Uh, yes, yes, of course. I... You'd better go to your cabin, Mr. Grant. Stow your gear. All right, sir. What's the matter? I, I don't know. Wait a minute now. Take it easy. Look out. Look out there. Oh, I'm sorry. You're I... sorry. It was a fifth of my best bourbon, you stupid stumble bum. Why don't you hang out a side? I didn't see it. Of course you didn't see it. One more like that and I'm going to hand you a white cane. Where's your sense? Told you to stay on the bridge till I came up. What do the men think when they see you stumbling around on deck? Listen, right I'm got... through listening. You're falling to pieces, Quiz. I'm tired of playing seeing eye for you every time you have one of these spells. If I had the brains I was born with, I'd make you retire. I'd kill you first. You know, I think you would. Come on. We'd better cast off. Got a half hour to clear the port. The new second mate aboard? Yes. Who is he? That's why I came here. He's not a new second mate, Ryder. Oh, who is he? Grant. Grant? What are you talking about? You heard what I said? He's been in stir. He hasn't got a license. He's here on orders from the home office. Nothing I can do. What do you mean there's nothing you can do? That guy can't sail. That's all there is to him. I called the agent. Call the agent. the agent. Good Lord, why didn't you have him shanghaied? I tell you, that guy's not going to sail. I'm going up there. I'm now, wait a minute, Ryder. Shut up. I'm going up Ryder! there. Ryder! I'm still in command of the ship. And I want you to remember that. If there were anything I could do, I'd do it. But unfortunately, there isn't. Grant's on board for the voyage, and we've got to make the best of it. All right. I'll make the best of it. And I'll make the best of it when we get to New Orleans, too. Oh? Whether you like it or not, Quiz, this is your last voyage. I'm through hanging on to a guy who's fallen to pieces. What does that mean? 
Grant isn't dumb. And he isn't here for the trip. If you had the brains you were born with, you'd have seen it and brushed him off. It wasn't possible. I don't care whether it was possible or not. Had to be done. And if we're lucky enough to keep him guessing this trip, you're going to decide to retire when we get to New Orleans. And if I don't? The home office is going to be surprised to discover that one of their top skippers has a habit of going blind every six weeks. Wait, you... And don't try to scare me with that negligence charge. You'd go up just as fast as I would, and for just as long. Who are you? And one other thing. You're going to recommend your bright young first mate to succeed you. How does that sound to you, Quiz? Captain Ted Ryder. It's hard to take, isn't it, Quiz? The idea of giving up your ship, of leaving the sea forever, hardly seems real to you. In your bunk that night, after the Patricia Kay has put out into the South Atlantic, you try and think back over the past four years. You remember the two men who died on the Carson City, two men whose lives ought to be on your conscience, two men who'd be sailing today if you cared about anything but Martin Quist's ship's master. Perjury, bribery, the conviction of an innocent man... Nothing mattered, did it? Finally, you sleep, although the pain in your eyes tells you another attack is coming on in earnest. All you can make out the next morning as you walk down the deck to the bridge is the hazy line of the horizon and the dull blur of the ship plodding forward against a head-on swell. You arrive to find Grant there, alone. Morning, Grant. Hello. Oh, I... What happened? Nothing. I... Just bumped into the chart table. Why don't you take those dark glasses off? Why don't you stop asking questions, Mr. Grant? That's one way of finding out things, that's all. Happens to be the wrong way at the moment. Hand me my log. What? Don't what me, Mr. Grant. Hand me my log. Why, Captain, it's right in front of you on the table. Huh? Yeah. Yes, I... I didn't notice it. Don't you feel well? I feel quite well, thank you. I'm glad to hear it, sir. Uh, what do you suppose that schooner is doing on our starboard bow? Never saw a ship that small in the South Atlantic. Huh? Where? Over there. See her? Huh. Oh, yes. How do you make her out? Um, coastwise African trader, probably. We're only a day out. Can't be more than 100 feet. Or would you say she was larger? I'm not interested in whether she's 100 feet or 1,000 feet long, Mr. Grant. Turn to your wheel. Yeah. Who are you trying to kid, Captain? What do you mean? You wear dark glasses day and night. You bump into the table. You can't see the log. Who said I can't see the log? You might as well know, Mr. Grant, that if I choose to wear pink glasses and a green jacket, I'll do so. It so happens it's none of your business. On the open sea, the captain's eyes are everybody's business. It has nothing to do with my eyes. Was an accident? Of course. That that ship out there, is that an accident, too? What are you getting at? I can see that ship perfectly well. I apologize, Captain. I was wrong about your eyes. You have excellent vision. Thank you. It takes a good man to see over the horizon. What do you mean? That's where she must be. There isn't any ship out there. Tell me, Captain, what made you think you'd get away with it? 
A ship's captain without eyes. But I, you tell I you told that you I... I felt sorry for you once. I still do. That's where the partnership comes in, isn't it? Your brains and rider's eyes. Now listen, Grant. You'd do anything to keep that lousy master's license, wouldn't you? You'd stab your best friend in the back, buy and sell witnesses, perjure yourself. Yeah, you'd even kill me if you thought you'd get away with it. Why, Quiz? Why didn't you have sense enough to throw in the towel before it got too big for you? You wouldn't understand. You bet I don't understand. And the families of those two men in the Carson City don't understand either. You're a murderer, Quiz. I suppose you know that. Will you stop it, Grant? Stop That's it! exactly what I'm going to do. When we get to New Orleans, I'm going to stop it. For good this time. You can buy all the witnesses in the world, Quiz, but it won't do you any good. This time it's going to stick. Yes, Ryder was right, wasn't he, Captain Quiz? You should have done anything to keep Grant off the ship. But it's too late now. He knows your secret. Each day brings the Patricia Kay closer to New Orleans in the end. You decide to play for time, order the course of the ship change, sending it north to Cape Verde, four days out of its way, hoping your eyes will improve, that by the time you arrive in New Orleans, your vision will be sharp and clear and defensible. But it continues to get worse, until finally, ten days out of New Orleans, you can't see at all. And then one night, out of a clear sky, something happens. The opportunity you've been waiting for. As the ship approaches the Florida Keys, not far from where the Carson City foundered, you hear a scuffle outside your cabin. All right, now get away from there. What's going on here? Kelly, come here. Try and pull it again, will you? Kelly! Okay, I'll let you. There. All right, get up, Ryder. Mr. Grant. This is none of your business, Quiz. Get up, Ryder, or I'll pull you up. Now, wait a minute, Grant. Kelly, grab me. I told me, Kelly. I got him. Get him, Andrew. Got him. Barnes. Take care of Ryder here. Kill him, Mr. Little Kill him. Ryder, shut up. He's okay, mate. Now, take it easy. Don't get you for this crowd. That's enough, Ryder. Shall I put them in irons, Captain? No, Kelly. But, Captain... It won't be necessary, Mr. Kelly. Take them to their cabins. That gave you an idea, didn't it, Quiz? There's a way out after all. You feel your way back into your cabin and think. Ryder was up to his old tricks again, drunk, trying to take the wheel away from Grant. It was time perfectly, wasn't it, Captain? Two competent witnesses present, two reliable supporters, both of whom heard Ryder swear he was going to kill Grant. The men are puzzled as to why you didn't throw them in irons. But there's a good reason. They have to be free to come and go as they please during the next night free to jump through the hoops you're preparing for them. You go to your cabin after dinner the next night and sit at your table thinking it through. Then at seven o'clock, you call Grant. Did you want to see me, Captain? Did you? Oh. Oh, it's you. Yes. I've been standing here for some time. Uh, Grant, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. Perhaps you wondered why I didn't exercise my authority when you and Ryder had that scuffle last night. I didn't expect Ryder to get it, if that's what you mean. As a matter of fact, I've... Well, I've come to the conclusion you're right. What do you want? When's your trick at the wheel tonight? I'm on at eight bells replacing Ryder. I see. I've decided to clear you, Mr. Grant. 
I'm going to put it in writing. It's apparent I'm not much good on the sea anymore, and at least I can try to right the wrong I've done. What? I know it's hard to believe, but I'm going to ask you to keep it to yourself until we arrive. Ryder mustn't know about it. But how can you? I can manage a typewriter quite nicely, thank you. I'm not asking for any thanks. I don't deserve anything. I'll go that far with you. Report here just before you go and watch. Eight bull shot. Is that clear? You're a little unpredictable, Quiss. I didn't ask for your opinion. I asked whether or not it was clear. Very well, Captain. I'll be back at eight bells. You were afraid of that one, weren't you, Quiss? But he fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. You'll be ready for him at eight bells with Ryder conveniently alone, unseen on the bridge. You can tell he's alone. Anyone going to the bridge must pass the narrow strip of deck outside your door. Quietly, you feel around in the drawer of your chest. Ryder's navy revolver, right where you put it this morning. Now the knife and some string. You walk carefully to the door and run your hands over the panel to get just the right spot, breast high, a little to your right, on a line with Grant's heart as he comes in the door. You drive in the point of the knife and tie the string to the knife handle. Then you walk back to the desk, drawing the string with you. At the desk, you sit down... You pick up the gun and prop it up with the barrel running alongside the tight string. When the gun is properly lined up, you pull the string and draw the knife toward you. You put them back in the drawer. Then you release the safety catch on the gun and wait. You're ready for him now, aren't you? with the gun accurately aimed at the spot in the doorway where the bullet will count most when Grant opens that door. It seems like hours. Your hand is cramped around the gun, but you don't relax for a second. There's determination in your mind. You're doing it for the sea, and you won't give it up for anyone. Then... will return with a strange ending of tonight's story in just a moment. Meantime, with chill winter weather definitely here, don't forget that you're not the only one who'll be needing winter clothes and a winter diet to keep feeling fit. It's just as important for your car to have Signal's winter diet to keep wear down when the thermometer's down. For the transmission and differential, that means draining, flushing, and refilling with Signal winter gear lubricant. If it's been 5,000 miles since your front wheel bearings were serviced, now's the time to have them removed, thoroughly cleaned, and repacked with Signal Long Life Wheel Bearing Grease. And for your motor, it's high time to drain out summer weight oil and refill with real winter protection. Refill with Signal Pen, the pure Pennsylvania oil with a famous fighting film that flows freely even on coldest mornings. With this complete Signal diet, 
your car has the cold weather lubricants it needs to help keep it purring through another winter. And the place to get it is at that friendly station displaying Signal's familiar yellow and black circle sign, your neighborhood Signal gasoline dealer. And now, back to the Whistler. Well, it's over now, isn't it, Captain Quiss? Your system worked. The second shot wasn't necessary. You're shaking as you get out of the chair and wipe the fingerprints off the gun, throwing it on the deck beside the body. Then you call the engine room and order Kelly to the cabin. You're ready for him when he arrives. Good Lord, what's happened? You were right, Kelly. I should have put them in irons. Seems that Ryder just shot Mr. Grant. What? Where is he? Ryder? Yes. Yes, throw him in the brig immediately. But, but, Captain, are you blind? What do you mean? Why, this is Ryder here, on the floor. What? I didn't know. All I heard was a scuffle and I... it, Quiss. Grant! I'm in charge now, Kelly. Put Captain Quiss in irons. Captain! He's lying! I'm in charge, you. You're even more stupid than I thought, Quiss. Take him away, Kelly! Wait a minute. You know why Ryder came here, Quiss? Because I didn't show up for my trick at the wheel. I didn't show up because I've been here, right in this room, from the time you called me in here an hour ago. It was quite a show you put on for me, Quiss. I'll want the knife and string. May need them to illustrate my lecture when we get into New Orleans. Grant, no. No! Kelly. I'm sorry for the poor guy. Next Monday at 9 o'clock, The Whistler will bring you another strange tale. The Whistler is broadcast for your entertainment by the marketers of Signal Gasoline and Motor Oil and fine quality automotive accessories and by your neighborhood Signal dealer. This program produced by George W. Allen with tonight's story by John Michael Hayes and Bud Swanton, music by Wilbur Hatch, is transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. Whistle is your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. This is Marvin Miller speaking, reminding you to look for those familiar yellow and black circle signs that identify those popular Signal Oil stations in seven western states, from Canada to Mexico. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. The Whistler with The Seeing Eye, starring Elliot Lewis from November 12, 1945. Also in the cast, Jack Moyles, Joe Duvall, and Ken Christie with Marvin Miller as The Whistler and doubling as the announcer. 
sponsored by Signal Oil, as heard over CBS. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 50 of the Classic Radio Theater after this break. Next time on episode 50 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two comedy episodes of The Charlie McCarthy Show, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune us in next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>